everyone. This is the Food About Town podcast. My name's Chris Lindstrom. I'm the host. And in this week's episode, we talk to Zach Makita of The Revelry and Donnie Clutterbuck from Good Luck. Uh, we talked to them in advance of the Rochester Cocktail Revival, which uh, started this last Tuesday and runs through this Sunday at a number of different places throughout Rochester. Uh, you should definitely check it out. The main event is Friday night at the Rochester Public Market, the large larceny extravaganza featuring a number of different bartenders from around Rochester, a uh, large uh, liquid nitrogen display, and just a great event to go out to. So check out rochestercocktailrevival.com and enjoy the conversation I had with both Zach and Donnie. Thanks for listening. Zach Makita and Donnie Clutterbuck. I get that right? Mm-hmm. Super. So we're doing this in preparation for the Rochester Cocktail Revival, which technically starts, we're recording this on Monday, uh, technically starts tomorrow at Ox and Stone, right? I believe so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a big, uh, well, they're doing a Cinco de Mayo festivities, which they probably would do anyways, but... Definitely. <laughs> but you might as well take advantage of the time. And absolutely. absolutely. Throw it into the... Get a sponsor and uh, get something nice going on. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So this is the second year of the Rochester Cocktail Revival, right? Yes, sir. Uh, both of you guys involved last year? Involved sort of, mostly just working the events, though. Not yeah. on the yeah. planning side of anything. Well, that's probably yeah. for the best sometimes. Yeah. Are you planning <laughs> this year? Um, no, not really. I'm attending some of the meetings, but I'm not like in the thick of it. I'm not on the front line. Yeah, which is, which is really nice. It's been, uh, I mean, this is a lot of preparation in the making. This uh, this year, having kind of a better grasp of what, what's needed of us, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been it's been a lot more methodical on on behalf of all the participating bars. Uh, we started doing this in like October. We started getting together, and the email the email thread at this point is just a novel. It's absolutely absurd. Um, but you know, it's it's crazy. It's for me, it uh, it kind of relates back to when I was a musician and playing playing on stage a lot. You know, people see you for maybe an hour at a time when you're on stage, but they don't see all the the practice and and trial and error that happens beforehand. So this, you know, planning for the eight months that we have been uh, for a weekend, it's it's insane because people are only going to see that weekend. So yeah, and the weekend's kind of exploded too. I mean, it was only what three days last year, and now it's you know it's uh, almost a whole uh, was it five days now? It's crazy. Yeah. And over forty events, if I remember correctly, it's yeah, it's something something like that. With, I don't even with, know the number anymore. Uh, with with, with with the thirty sponsors that we have, um, they obviously all have an event. And then apart from that, we're flying in, you know, some some of the greats, and uh, and they're doing their own seminars. So it's 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 piled up, you know, to a to a really impressive point. So very. Exciting. So who, who's coming in? That's interesting. I'm not sure if everybody knows cocktails, but. Uh, well, you know, we have Dale DeGroff is going to be at uh, Good Luck on Thursday night. And it's, that's yep. going to be a lot of fun, too, because he does the guitar. Whole, yeah, he, he comes in and he has his whole, like, 
like sing song like history of cocktails. So really? he hangs out with his acoustic guitar. It's like a one man show of cocktails, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, for for those of you who don't know Dale, he's uh, if you were to be, I mean, he's he's like everyone's cool uncle that they wish they had. You know, he's probably the most influential person in this in this movement that we have in the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, considered to be King Cocktail himself. You know, so yeah. what what city is he out of? Uh, he's been based out of New York for the past you know, thirty-five. Yeah, something. I don't even know. I don't really know. It's at least thirty or thirty-five. Okay. Or so, he had. Uh, I mean, he had some stint in California, but then he ended up going back to Rainbow Room in New York City and and doing all that. He was one that developed the, the early eighties, right? Yeah, and yeah. he was one of the first people to really develop a, a cocktail menu, you know, a serious cocktail menu in in New York. The juices. The juice. Doing the lemon and lime juice. Was you know? was that the big was that I mean, the big change? That was probably the the biggest difference between what's going on now and what was going on in the '60s is the the lack of sour mix that we're using now. You know that jug of like neon yellow fluid that if you open it and leave it on the floor for four months, it's just it's the same four months <laughs> later. You know, which that was like the theme of the '50s and '60s in general is anything that would last through like a nuclear war. Oh, you absolutely. Could just throw things into a, a bunker somewhere and feed yourself off frozen dinners forever. Yeah, exactly. The and age of TV dinners and Twinkies. I guess it was, I, I'm sure that Dale was not the pers- first person to have this thought, but he was the one to make it more widespread, it seems, and he has written a lot of the material that bartenders have followed in this last 10 years of cocktail boom that have been coming up, you know, and it's yeah. made its way to Rochester. After yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the Rochester, the Rochester movement's kind of, it's gone in a rapid pace in the last, what, two years now because yeah. before that it was you know it was where it was it was what it was good luck it was was good luck first here five five yeah. years yeah he's they're the six, six now, now yeah yeah, yeah. they're five, definitely, six years. definitely grandfathered into this uh this movement and, and definitely one of the one of the most driving forces towards towards what we've been able to do yeah um you know i'm, I'm originally from buffalo and i moved out here with uh with john carroll uh, back in June of 2013, shortly after Donnie came up and, and we started up the revelry. And even back then, you know, there was a lot of little buds springing. You know, there was all these different restaurants and bars kind of coming up with the same ethos yeah. and same idea. Um, and, you know, honestly, too, last year when we did this did this cocktail revival, um, that was a huge stepping stone in, like, the community as far as, you know, what we know is these, these craft drinks in, in Rochester, New York. Um, at first, too, it was, you know, Nobody had really talked very much. No, there wasn't really that like camaraderie amongst amongst the bartenders and bar owners. Uh, and even like the first couple of meetings that we had last year, everyone was kind of sniffing each other out. They didn't want <laughs> playing their cards close to their chest. But yeah. you know, you, now there is definitely we've 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 been able to create such a such a friendship and and really really wonderful place to be in, in Rochester. You know, this this entire week I think is a really good way to get everyone who is behind a bar and owns a bar together and on the same page, and even if not on the same page, in agreement on being on different pages with one another. And I I think the coolest thing about the way this is coming to fruition, and what, to go back to Zach's thing about being a musician and having a lot of prep work involved with something, that's every day at a bar. W- what we're doing for this entire week is just a very specific and drawn out and explosive way of doing everything we already do which is try to educate people, but we do it in like little snippets, talking to a customer directly in front of us instead of with Dale DeGroff talking to 45 or 60 people. It's just one-on-one when we do it. So now there's an entire event dedicated to that one moment. And same thing with the speed round that's happening on Sunday. Like we, we're, we're going to race each other, but every day we're racing against the service tickets or thirsty people. So instead of just us doing that on a regular basis, it's all like, magnified yeah it's an not, explosion it's not as candid you know it's like right. now it's it's 
we we made a point of being like, well, yeah, this is this is what we do every day. But let's and the Iron Shaker too, same way. Like just trying to build a drink out of mystery ingredients or something. We we have to do that on the fly for at least a few customers a night because people have gotten the idea that we sort of know what we're doing behind a bar. So now we have to prove it. See, that's a terrible <laughs> thing that people expect you to be good at something. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's, tough. Yeah, it's so much harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's and it, there really is nothing like watching these guys on a Saturday or Friday night go through a bar that's three deep. I mean that kind of that kind of speed is. I was always impressed watching. I mean, especially Donnie. I mean, the speed that he moves is really something. <laughs> I um, appreciate that. <laughs> and I, all you know, of my muscles are like eyelids. I just I only have fast twitch muscles. I can't do anything <laughs> slowly. I hate it. What you can do with another hand. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what I could do. <laughs> I feel like this. I feel like this is also probably uh, we're trying to keep it PG. So <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, PG. A lot of things I haven't said in the last twenty five <laughs> seconds. I mean, yeah, PG. Definitely went through. Uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I forgot to mention, uh, uh, Zach is, what's your title at the Revlon? I'm a you, bar manager. You're a bar manager, and uh, you are... Just the bartender at Good Luck and Cure. Bartender at yeah. Good Luck and Cure. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you bounced back and forth between the two. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at Cure on Wednesday and at Good Luck Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but just as a bartender doing my job. Oh, okay. Is, which is nice and fun and easy. I've never actually done the management role except for a really crappy bar in Buffalo for a little while, and I wouldn't even call it management at this, that point. It was more like... Just the person who got yelled at for stuff. Yeah, you know, which is a lot of people's jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most it's, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you transitioned over. Um. What, what's what's the is it a different feel moving from the revelry to good luck? Absolutely. I, I would picture it as people ask me this all the time. They say, "Do you like the revelry better or good luck?" Or like, "What's your what's your preference?" And I, I to be honest, I don't have one. They're two different houses with different flooring and different paint on the walls and. Different chandeliers, but they are no pun intended. Not even pun. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Very literally. <laughs> yeah, literally different chandeliers, and they're not one is better than the other. They are both really great for different things, and I don't know if I could even say if I fit better at one than the other. And I think that's maybe the best trait of a good bartender is to be able to fit anywhere. Oh, and absolutely and make it a good thing. And it know? doesn't have to be the same. I think that's. If Sometimes it was the same, why have two? Right, you know, exactly. They're, they're definitely different. And kind of and kind of piggybacking off of, of what you just said and, and talking about the the iron shaker and the speed round that's going on on Sunday night. One of the one of the coolest experiences that I've had in a long time as a bartender um, was last year when we did the the barroom battle, and we had at points you know fifteen bartenders behind behind Good Luck's bar and the fluidity and kind of the ballet that everyone had. You know, you put a bunch of Put a bunch of bartenders behind a bar and see, you know, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Kind of throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it sticks. But it was, it, it was one of the most, yeah, and it definitely stuck. It was one of the coolest experiences that I can say that I've had as a bartender. And and what, like I said, piggybacking off of what Donnie said, going between the revelry, going between good luck. You know, a bartender is going to be a bartender regardless of where he goes. And and to really see that come into fruition is is incredible. You know, it's, it's really. It's been fun. It, it was really the most uncomfortable two years of my life, to be honest, because when I started at the Revelry two years ago, about two years ago, right? It was, Ish. Yeah, about that. yeah. It was the first time I'd been behind a bar that was actually selective about what they ordered outside of like billboard stuff. Mm. You know, like the first bar I worked at was just Jameson, Makers, Jack, whatever you had seen in a magazine we had. Sure. To go to a bar that was completely unfamiliar took me, you know, a few weeks of bar backing and then a bunch of months of bartending and really not knowing fully what I was doing, or trying to anyway, you know, reading a lot of books and stuff. And then I quit the revelry and moved to New York for a little while and went to Booker and Dax, where I also, again, had no idea what I was doing because the methods and delivery of everything were so completely different that I just had to relearn everything again. 
And then as soon as I got comfortable with that, I moved to Good Luck and Cure, both of which I didn't know the mise en place of. I didn't know where I was or what I was doing. Different menus, different methods, you know? So it's been just constant disorganization in my brain and trying to reorganize it. And I think that's made me a little bit better at my job, just being able to switch like that. But that being said, I didn't get to do any of the planning part of the RCR because it started when I moved. Gotcha. Like my first day at Booker and Dax was probably the first day that they had a meeting about it. Absolutely. So I sort of came back in just as a, a spectator. Yeah. This time. So, I mean, we, we've got, what, eight or nine different partner bars for this event? We have eight, eight bars, yeah. Eight bars. And then in, including Joe Fee, which, uh, out of Fee Brothers. Sure. He's, he's been a, an instrumental to, to the success of this thing. And uh, he's not necessarily, you know, obviously a bar, but he sells worldwide to, to bars, you know, his bitters you can find in Australia, Belgium, uh, you know, going to Panama. Well, like, wherever, wherever you look, you'll find Fee Brothers and his bitters um and he's he's been like i said just one of the one of the driving forces in this in this festival he's not a bar he's a presence at all of the bars yeah you know yeah whether, whether like physically with his body or with the goods that he has you know yeah and it's pretty much it so is, it gets it to is be a bar functionally you yeah know? i mean it is everywhere right i mean that's something i don't know if everybody knows like one of the biggest if not the biggest bitters manufacturer is here in rochester that's right it's 151 and, years old Definitely the biggest in Rochester, for sure. There are not a lot of bitters companies around here. Even if there were, though, I mean, I've, I've seen Fee Brothers advertised in Imbibe next to Reagan's and Angostura. So, I mean, they must be reaching out to a clientele that's much larger than Western New York. Yeah, and for sure. absolutely. They have the largest selection, for sure, of flavored bitters. Yeah, and it's really, it is a diverse selection. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying everyone's great, but there's there's a lot of interesting flavors. I mean, one is great for what it is doing or what it should be doing. You know how like a, a Swiss Army knife, you wouldn't use a corkscrew to cut a log, right? You, yeah. Or you wouldn't use a Swiss Army knife to cut a log. But <laughs> if you were going to cut a stick with something, it wouldn't be the corkscrew on it. You know, you'd right. use the little like saw blade attachment. So I think each one of them has their own spot in the world, even if, you know, someone doesn't like cardamom. So of course you're not going to like the cardamom bitters, but... Sure, yeah, but I mean, be used for something. Yeah, like that's cel- cool. like the celery. I I loved that the first time I had it. Right. I mean, it was you know celery and lime. And I've never used it for anything. I, I thought <laughs> it was really interesting. That's not to say that it's bad. I just you know I don't know what to do with celery bitters. Yeah, I thought there it was goes, really interesting. There goes Donnie trying to cut his log with a corkscrew. Again. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I had it with I think it was like celery and lime and gin and something else, and it was like surprisingly good. It sounds wonderful. It all kind of worked together. It just never occurred to me to even think of that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that. People always think, you know, there's there's recipes for cocktails, and it's a great starting point, but there's so many different directions you can go. I mean, it's, it's really so intro. true. It, uh, I'm still at the point in my, my I don't know, flowering as a way, <laughs> blossoming as a bartender, whatever. <laughs> I can see you blossoming. Where, Your yeah, shirt's very, blossoming. I was going to say, very appropriate is, with the shirt that you outfit. I look, I look really good for the radio. <laughs> I, I think I'm still at that point where I'm taking classics and doing Mr. Potato Head stuff with it. So, like, I don't want – I'm not coming from a culinary background, so I don't know flavors that well. I'm learning flavors, especially within the booze area of things. Mm. So it's never been – I don't think celery and gin and go, wow, that's probably pretty good. I think, like, what's a gimlet and what can I add to a gimlet to make it a little bit different? What is the gimlet missing? What would someone – what would this particular person want it to be that it is not? So I don't, I don't have, like, the Caitlin Graham – you know Caitlin Graham of Cure – uh, I I might have met her. I've Chef probably met her, right. but I don't know she, her. She has a wonderful name. palate for food and drink, and she can build a drink that is a flavor. And I'm still working on just trying to learn as many classics as I possibly can, and like figuring out how to make those better, fixing problems within them. Gotcha. So I have a different outlook that doesn't necessarily lead me to celery or you know, interesting cardamom. Yeah, and I think that's weird because that's my background's completely different. I started drinking last July. Yeah. For the first time, and Whoa. my background is I. 
I've tried to train my palate in food. That's what I do. I, I review restaurants. I write about food. Right. And that's where I was focusing all my efforts on. And now that's what, when I taste something, I use it from a culinary perspective. You know, so and, like, and it's very much, it's, it's very cut and dry. I mean, you think about all like the flavor affinities, you know, Flavor Bible is one of my favorite books ever. Yes. It's just a, it's a, it's a book of things and that like each other. because I don't know those things. Yeah. Because I don't know that anise goes with whatever it goes with. Yeah. I can't even you say like, that. Right? And I, I mean, can't even tell you what it goes with. It's, and it's, it's, it's such a cool resource for, for a bartender and somebody that's mm. doing this kind of Mr. Potato Head thing. Mm-hmm. And, and. Again, kind of with with the practice that I'm talking about before the customer comes in, but having having this kind of backlog of of things that like each other, and then being able to present that in in a fashion to the to the customer in it's front of the, you is it's is, all the prep work. It should yeah. look like magic. If someone is thinking while you're making a drink that there's so much thought and time must have gone into this, you're probably doing something wrong because it's really just <laughs> supposed to look fluid and uh, easy. Yeah. Like you don't learn the song as you're playing it. You know what I mean? Like you're no one, everyone who walks into a bar at four thirty or five or whenever that bar opens should not see things being stocked and like lime juice being poured from one container to another. It should all just be there. It should look like an, a happy accident. Like that's just always the way it was and it will never be any different. Oh, it's by close. happenstance. This bar looks like it's ready to serve. <laughs> we don't close. We don't open. Nothing happens except we make you a drink and that's yeah. all that is important or should be shown, I suppose. Well, I mean, is, isn't that like the big difference between what, I don't know what, what do we refer to this as? You know, the, the craft cocktail movement, I guess, is that? Yeah, but know you know, but is, I, yeah. I, the the that. the craft cocktail thing too. It's like those two words, right? Like, I feel like this has been the one of uh, you know America's longest pastimes is is creating good drinks, and sometimes people forget about it. Sometimes it falls to the wayside. But this isn't something that we you know is new and and late developing. It's it's been around for two hundred plus years. This yeah. this idea it's in the name. It's um, a revival. It's not. We're not creating it. We're yeah, trying to figure out what it was and what it stopped being and how to bring it back there. So it's it's. It's interesting to have these like this like new thing, right? It's craft cocktails, but it's right. it's been around. You know, like the idea should be be able to create a good drink, you know, and have the tools necessary to do that. So if it's fresh juices or house made syrups or the, the the wall of booze that you choose to have, it's it's all good and it's it's nothing that's new. Like, you know. Yeah. And there were a lot of different ways to do it. A craft cocktail bar is not defined by its use of lime or lemon juice fresh from a fruit. There are many, not many, but a few bars out there that specifically don't use citrus fruit because it doesn't grow in their locale. So if they're trying to be a very like farm-to-table bar with a craft cocktail program, they avoid anything they can't get from their surroundings directly within 10 miles or 15 or 20, whatever it is that their, their boundaries have been set by. So there really is no particular way to define a craft cocktail bar other than maybe a, a lack of preservatives and a, the presence of thought. I'm sure there are still preservatives in like most of the booze that we sell, but you know, oh, like sure. the actual... the the acknowledgement that there is a history to it and that we are following something and that there's like a, a greater idea than just bags of syrup that are carbonated and, you know, like thrown in with whiskey. Yeah. It's kind and of, well, that's really, it, it's like humans love oil and fat and sugar. Just hu- humanity is surviving because we love these things that preserve us for longer than the one day would have it. You know, like we want to eat things that are terrible for us because they are so fattening and like, make us live for longer or something. Maybe not in the long term, but <laughs> it satisfies so many of human beings like like carb cravings to just get oh, a yeah. Jack and Coke. And it takes a lot of talking out to get someone to drink something other than that because they're like, this isn't like, this is not why I drink. I don't drink because of all these like weird ingredients are putting it in there, you know? Yeah. So that's, well, I, I think that's why at Good Luck we still offer that stuff because you can have either one. We're not trying to push yeah. you necessarily, but if you want it, we can do it. And it's not like there's like uh, a prejudice against... Jack and Coke, mm. or you or know, blank and blank, really, whatever, yeah. whatever, I mean, whatever like blank and blank. The are. the Any. and the you know, and it's 
I, I, I think those, I think that's fantastic. You know, like if somebody wants uh, a vodka water, then, then hell yeah. Like whatever, whatever makes you happy. Right. Like I'm <laughs> sure. here for you. Like, and, and that's for me, that's always been kind of like the path of path of least resistance. If somebody comes up and asks for, for something like that, then yes, of course, whatever you need. If they order it in a dissatisfied and like, nah, I guess I'll have a this, you know, like, I'd, of course I'll be like, well, do you want to try a uh, vodka martini, I, like a 50, 50 or you want something easier? You and there's, there's sure. a really, and there's a really, really incredible moment that happens between the guests and the bartender <laughs> too. When, when they say, all right, like, what do you, what do you got for me? There's a trust, there's a relationship right. that, that started like instantly. Um, which is huge. Like when you can look somebody in the eye and say, I got you and I'm going to take care of you. And they, they're a little apprehensive. They're a little, they're a little weary. I don't know. But then you put it in front of them and you see their eyes just light up and you're like, like, this is incredible. Thank you so much for so that. The ability to do that is maybe what defines a craft cocktail bar or whatever the name is that we're going to call something like this. Sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, it's, it's hard because you want to put a label on it. Everybody loves labels. It's fun. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it, it helps in some ways and it hurts in some ways because it does put you, it puts you in a box in some ways, but it does. Confining. It does let you say, this place isn't, I'm just going to put a name out there. It's not Murphy's Law. <laughs> I mean, what, whatever. It's not one of those places. Right. And that's, you know, those places are great. They serve their clientele. It's not for me. They got great bartenders. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're, they're very good at what they do, but is it's not for me. And like when I started, that's where I sat down. I sat down at the Revelry and I said, make me something like this. Give me something interesting because I, I wanted different. I wanted right. complex. And, and, and because of that, there's a relationship that forms between you and the person in front of you. Like Absolutely. And that, that to me is... You can never take that away. That is like whatever, you, like you said, whatever you want to call this craft, craft cocktail, craft bars. What it comes down to for me is is a serious like relationship. This becomes it becomes more personal. It like it it does more than just scratch the surface, um, and it kind of goes on that idea that like for these bars in particular, um, you can't be everything, or you can't be something for everyone. You have to be everything to someone, and that's right. That's but at really... the same time, we still are pouring things that are like, I'm not passionate about the use of vodka in water or soda water or whiskey and Coke. I understand that those things exist. I understand that people want them. I have no problem making them, but that's not what drives me. I don't go home and read about whiskey and Coke. I go home and read about <laughs> all of the historical really, aspects really, really of what short I'm doing. <laughs> and even the modern chemical methods of making those things better and fixing problems that we have that have never been fixed before. Like, yeah. like the things that Booker and Dax, like taking... Uh, the use of egg white and cream to make a drink frothy can be avoided altogether if you put milk into gin, spin it in a centrifuge, leave just the whey protein in, and you have none of the solids. And so you're not, you don't have the volume or the flavor of the egg white or the cream, but you have the frothiness of it, right? So that's a problem that you can fix in a modern method kind of way. So expl- explain this place to people. I mean, I've heard of it, but I'm not, I don't know that much. So Booker and Dex, I know they're, they're relatively famous at this point in New York. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a destination bar for sure. It has a few regulars, but it may, mainly it's people who read the book that Dave Arnold put out, Liquid, Liquid Intelligence, or have just heard about the Momofuku company and what they're doing and what their bar program is at Booker and Dax, and they, when they're in the city, they stop by. The idea behind it is to build drinks around flavors or fix problems in drinks. Like, if you have to use an egg white to do something, maybe there's a better way to not have to use that and get the same desired effect without the bad parts of it. Like, when you make an egg white drink, if you don't dash bitters all over the top of it, it smells like a wet dog after about oh. 10 minutes or five minutes. If you don't slip <laughs> it down, it, it's not really pleasing after a hmm. while. Interesting. So with just the whey protein left in the bottle of gin, you shake it. You get not quite as much foam, but you still get a foamy, rich texture to it, hmm. and it doesn't smell like a dog. 
So that's a problem that's been fixed. Yeah, and then and going back off of what Don was saying there, that there's like mm. there's definitely a lot of ways to kind of counteract these 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 problems. You know, and it comes to my head like if it isn't broke, don't you know if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even that being said, it's like sometimes you know it's 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 so cool. And I've been at Booker Next, and it's really really remarkable what they're able to do there. Um, even things like you know whipped cream canisters and ISIs, like mm-hmm. there's there's ways to kind of emulate this this foam we're talking about instead of sitting there and shaking something with cream or eggs in it for ten Just minutes. Put cream on the top. Yeah, yeah, you know, like there's there's so many ways to to go around, and it's and it's fun to like figure out so many different solutions for you know one question. Yeah, there's there's so many answers and so many outlets for like how to make a drink frothy, and that's what's cool yeah. about the whole craft scene. Is that if you have the knowledge of what is going on, if you hit, not, no one can know everything, of course, but if you have a really strong foundation of knowledge of what happened all throughout the 1800s and 1900s for a cocktail history or whatever, maybe not the dates, but like the ideas of what's going on and why an old fashioned is an old fashioned and why a Manhattan's a Manhattan and what, what those represent as categorical drinks. After you've made a bunch of different drinks for a bunch of different people, you can analyze new ways of doing things that it's not. Not for the sake of doing something new, but for the sake of fixing a problem that was not able to be fixed back when those things were being done. Hmm. So I think that's the idea behind Booker and Dax in general. And that does not make it not a craft cocktail bar, and it doesn't make it, I don't even know. It's, it's just a different way of doing the same thing we're all trying to do. Right. But in this community. Yeah, I mean, taking a step back, I mean, you both talked about that connection you have with people and that communication. I think that's what I typically gravitate to is that when you find passion in somebody who cares about what they're doing and it's obvious when, when you sit down and actually talk to these guys and it's something I've said before and I don't mind saying publicly is sometimes maybe, maybe you don't love the environment that this is going on in. it can be crowded. It can be, you know, it can be a bit pretentious. Some of the crowds at these places, but when you get to the bars and you talk to the bartenders, they really care about what they're doing. And I think for me, that was something that I gravitated to right away is I could tell, you know, if I talked to Zach or I talked to Diane or I talked to, you know, Sarah at the Revelry or I go over to Cheshire, those guys care about what they're doing. And it's that passion that got me hooked. I mean, the flavors, it's great to get the flavors and the combinations, but when the people actually care about what they're doing, it, that's the thing that keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you mean. That's what kept me coming back to bartending myself is just caring about what I was doing finally. You know, not that I ever didn't care about my job beforehand, but I just wasn't as interested in the job itself. I liked the interaction. I liked, like, my, my entire career for eight years was built only on being nice to people and making them feel like they've had a good time. And now I have, like, one more way of doing that. And it, it really, it added another element, like a, a third dimension to what I was doing. Yeah. So personally, it kept me interested. And I'm hoping it's keeping everybody else interested on the other side of the bar. That's right. I'm not boring people to death by telling them stories while I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donnie, Sometimes we don't want to hear about your grandma I anymore. I listen to myself and I'm like, shut <laughs> your fucking mouth, please. <laughs> Stop talking. Good job, yeah. But I mean, th- those are the places I find myself going to, whether it's food or drink. I mean, I'm a regular Joe Bean. That's my hangout. That's Absolutely. where I do my writing because, you know, that's where I feel comfortable there. I know the people there and they... Quality of coffee and personal interaction, same right. level. Man, they, it's the same kind of thing. They, they, they read about it. They get me. I hang out there. And it's great because I'm not, I'm not bothered except for when I need to be bothered. Totally. You know, and it's sometimes that's exactly what you need is you need to be talked to. Yeah. And then you can get back to what you're actually doing. I mean, um, and that's the thing too. The the inspiration stems from other people. I feel like you know we'll learn, and kind of piggybacking off what you guys are saying, 
it took it took a festival. It took a, a revival last year for us to like kind of get pulled together with with eight of these bars to say like, oh yeah, like people that care, people that really want it. And not to say that it's it's not going to grow from here. I mean, like next year, who knows what's going to be, you know, what's going to happen. But like yeah. as of right now, it's like morph and evolve a lot. I think in the next few years, even even this year, having two participating bars that are that are new. Um, like this is just it's just going to keep growing and we're going to keep being like yes these are people that care these are people that want to put out the the best quality product to the person in front of them for no other reason than it just seems like the thing to do yeah yeah well i'm going to step one thing away from the cocktail rather than we'll finish off with that um i like to ask people what their what their favorite place to go to eat is in rochester you know I, it doesn't matter what doesn't matter why just like where 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 do you go to eat um, could be takeout, could be fancy. I don't really care. I like everything. It all depends. You, you want to go first, Ben? Do you already have a set answer? I mean, <laughs> this is really I, tough because I spent all my really time tough. working. I, <laughs> That's right. I don't even know what I do um, outside of that. One of my, honestly, one of my absolute favorite places, and I'm sure this is sounding like a broken record, is is Rocco. Like, I love Rocco. Uh, Monday nights, there's like, there's, it, it, coming from Buffalo, where it's, it's such uh, an industry focused town like mm-hmm. buffalo's real thing is is the food and beverage industry and you know you can go and get a good meal and a drink at any hour of the day essentially uh seven days a week now in rochester it's a little different rochester seemingly kind of like shuts down sunday monday a little bit on tuesday and uh it's to scare up a good meal sometimes it's it's tricky but on a monday night you go to rocco and it's just like you know it's it's got the fairy dust it's got that really <laughs> really and incredible thing that that happens as soon as the plate is put in front of you and you you take the first bite and it just it's the 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 beautiful consistency that is that place Mm -hmm. you know i do hear that from a lot of people i feel terrible i haven't been there in a long time because i i just have to start going there well you know that's it's a good news the good news is that you're hearing this from so many people that i don't think that you'll have to worry about going there anytime (laughs) soon it seems like they'll be doing doing all right for some time (laughs) yeah exactly um as far as food goes for me i didn't come from a culinary background with the flavors of things have not been an issue for me for a long time because I have eaten solely to not be hungry for mm. so long that I just I cram a meal in and I go work and I pay attention to work, you know? So I actually had a, a total turnaround maybe a week ago at Bronca. Uh, I was I, I just me and my girlfriend just founded a USBG chapter, the US Bartenders Guild chapter in Rochester, okay. because we came up from New York and we were in the chapter that exists in New York City and we wanted to make it a thing up here. Very cool. So I was talking about that one night with a guy named Asa who is the sous chef, I believe, at Bronca. And I, d- I didn't really know him until we started talking about that. He was interested in the concept. And over the course of the next two or three weeks, we started talking more, and I went to go see him at Bronca and finally have a, like a real sit-down meal there. Sure. I never get to sit down and do anything. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm always just running around trying to eat and doing too many things to do one thing well. You know? Trying not to die, basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so get enough blood sugar going that I can like make it through the next four hours of my life. But I sat at Bronca at the bar for three and a half hours and let Asa just put out whatever he wanted to put out for awesome. us. And it was, I hope that I make people feel as cool about what they're consuming as he did for me and Brenna. Because we had, that was one three and a half hour period in my life that I, I can't remember the last time it's happened where I got to actually eat food and like pick apart the flavors of everything and see why it was coursed in the order that it was coursed in, why it was finished with what and like, how long it took, and even like how much time was in between each one. Overconsumption ruins everything afterward, you know? So like we just, I was never full and I was never hungry for that four hour period. And it was like, it was an experience rather than a meal. You wow. Know? So 
you know, props to Bronco, props to Asa for sure. Nice, very cool. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love to hear that. I mean, I had a meal recently at a place called The Kitchen in Pittsburgh. I was talking about it in the last last podcast I did. And it's, you know, it's a seven course, it's an experience kind of place, you know, mm-hmm. seven course fixed price menu, you're sitting down for a time, you know, and everything's space, everything's timed, everything's, you know, made to serve, but everybody all at the same time and made in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I love those kind of things. And if you're starving and in a hurry, there's, there's no, you know, there's oh, no, no place for that. It's just, it's so no. hard to find the time if you're always running around. I don't even know why I am running around. I have three days off a week usually. I don't know what I'm running around for. <laughs> but to have that finally happen, when there, when you have time for it, there's nothing like it. No, that's great. It's I'm really glad cool. to hear that. Yeah. No, and uh, you know, I've had some, definitely had some good food over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the cocktail revival. So I've been talking to a few people. The big thing, I mean, there's still, are there still tickets for some of the dinners available? Yeah, we... Um, <clears throat> I know our Thursday night dinner is sold out. Uh, I believe that we still have tickets left on the Friday night, which is the Infinium dinner. Uh, and Infinium is kind of this this beautiful umbrella company that has uh, Fernet Branca, Carpino Antica Formula, Put to Mess, Teelings, Irish Whiskey, Templeton. I mean, the list Knock goes on and lineup. on. Yeah, it's a really good lineup. Um, and that's over at the Revelry? That's at the Revelry, yeah. Uh, I think Good Lucks are pretty much sold out. I think we're all sold out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you awesome. know, that's the thing, though. It's like... That's a good problem to have. That's Absolutely. a great problem to have, yeah. and uh, we're able to give these these dinners at like sort of a discounted rate. Um, four course, four course meal paired with four cocktails. You know, we're doing it for fifty bucks, and it's like we we can accommodate thirty people. So it was pretty pretty quick how yeah. you know how people pick those up. It's a deal. Um, but I, you know, there's so many. I mean, uh, there's obviously so many events. If you look on the website, which is uh, RochesterCocktailRevival.com, <clears throat> there are uh, uh, you know. So many different events that are free admission and just basically show up. You know, I think they'll like they'll probably have like a cap of of the attendees that can come because just capacity. Sure. Um, but you know, like people standing up for a dinner. Yeah. You know, like that's sort of the seminar for that matter. You can pack a bunch of standing people into a seminar, but it it, it loses a little bit of its like intimacy that way. Yeah. The dinner perfectly you, you can't do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's some events like we're doing. We got two events. We got two takeovers uh, at the at the Revelry. <clears throat> one of which being Friday night, and it's just it's a free event. You know, I got I got my uh, my friends from Distill coming in, uh, which is an importer, and they do a lot of I mean rums, and they have a, a really great blended scotch. But we're doing kind of like a tiki night, you know. So I got some friends coming up. Uh, John Carroll, the old bar manager of the Revelry, is coming up. Awesome, buddy Luke Thiers from uh, he used to work at Cheshire. Now he's at uh, Back, bar Back Bar in Boston. Yeah, which is incredible. Cool really place. cool bar. Um, he's so if I'm there, up. that's the place I should be going. It's gonna be, it's gonna be. It's eleven it's like a sit down date kind of joint, you know. Okay. Yeah, the cool. bartenders are the servers. They they take your order for a drink. There's probably what is there? You've been there before? Yeah. There's like thirty seats or something, and yeah. it's all like wooden around the, oh, very the cool. perimeter of the yeah. room. And then there's like an eight seat bar. Maybe it's about eight seats. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So but there's no cocktail server. There is only the bartender, and the bartender directly takes the order, which is it eliminates that one bit of like problem i guess the problem yeah, yeah. where the person says to the server i want this and then the server goes i don't know i don't know if we can do that it's yeah, like exactly. the bartender's like not i can to say they don't know what they're doing do that. but you know it's, it's a different language yeah, yeah um so he's coming up for that and we're doing like total tiki night and it's a free event you know i'm gonna do discounted tiki drinks we're gonna have a, a whole hog that we're putting out apple in its mouth people Sweet. can just pick at it yeah. i got a bunch of awesome like swag pos like uh shirts and hats and sunglasses and awesome. yada 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 and it's just it's really cool to be able to Offer that, you know, and and not have to. I mean, sometimes it's just nice to give people 
things. Stuff. Just some cool, yeah, cool things. None of it's so cheap that it's devaluing the product. And that's a big thing that I have about, I have a big problem with like the idea of a happy hour or like a special thing where you're like, why are you trying to get rid of it? Like what's, what's wrong, wrong with it? Is there something wrong with it? No mm-hmm. one wants it. Why, why are you doing that? So I like that we're doing this at a rate, most of the things anyway are at a rate that they're not outlandishly expensive. They're not as much as we could charge for sure, but they're not like three bucks at the door. Yeah. You know, like you're still right. paying probably for the cost of the products. You're just not, you don't have to pay for all the prep stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I signed up for, for uh, the Mexican takeover dinner at Cure on Thursday night. Sure. And it's, it's legitimately stupid cheap. And it was like four courses for like $39. Yeah. I mean, you can't get that just for food. In Rochester. It just feels, I think that the point of doing it for 40 bucks instead of the projected probably 80 or whatever it should really oh, be sure. is to make it more accessible, not clearance priced. Yeah. Right. It's, you it's, know, you know it's, it's not like restaurant week. It's not like, you know. Because we don't only want to appeal to the people who can, like we want to appeal to the people who can't, normally can't afford this stuff just to like spread the idea of what it is that we're trying to do, you know? It's, and it is a really good vessel for that. Yeah. Like, you know, we're making it as accessible as possible. Uh, and usually the, the only prohibitive factor in these things are, are the, the ticket price you know like honestly like people coming to the rev they they love it they're like oh the rev's great but my accountant tells me to stop you know <laughs> yes. stop coming here so damn <laughs> much because told me that yes. him. it's like why is uh what, what is this revelry what is this thousand dollars you spent at the revelry in the past four weeks and he's like uh weeks four days. <laughs> um but yeah so that's like you know that could be the only thing that's a little bit of a prohibitive factor and it's not necessarily that you know we're not trying to we're not trying to shake anybody down or try and sell them on a dream that this this is totally you know this is exactly how much we are i mean we we do a fair price in my opinion as as bar manager and seeing how much you know how much liquor costs and trying to keep the the idea of poor cost in check aligned with the the kitchen's cost and you know, there's a lot of cost. There's a lot there's of a numbers lot of flying around that goes into this type of bar work. You, yeah. you don't just walk in, set up the mats, cut four limes, and put them in a tray and go. All right, everybody, come on in. Like, there's there's so much more. There are hours that go into it every day. We have we have spread a, across many people. You know, we have a we have a prep kid that comes in six days a week, um, and he does. You know, they'll do like four hours of work just juicing everything. You're making six six, six seven of limes. limes. Six yeah, of wow. yeah, exactly. That's you astounding. know, like yeah, and it, it's just it's limes aren't cheap. <laughs> limes are not cheap, so and there's, there's not there's much so fruit much, in there either. That's no, right, yeah, really and they right hurt now. your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's, I mean, on the back end of work, and and even what we're talking about already with the, with the kind of practicing and all the stuff that goes into a bar before you actually ever show up. You know, like when you said, like you show up and it looks like a happy accident. It's right. it's really not. There's so much planning that goes into just even a day's worth of service. So so when I look at somebody and I I make them that cocktail that they they so desired, and I look them dead in the eyes and say. Sir, that'll be ten dollars. I I don't I don't hesitate. I don't flinch because I know how much how much love and thought and it's and hard laborious work went into that. Like and and I and I, I never ever think that I should you know, like bring down the price of of this cocktail and and almost devaluing exactly. It. I think that like if somebody wants to know like why is this so expensive, I'll be like, well. <laughs> Well, Funny that you should mention. Time you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. you say I'm the man to break this got, down for you. You got six hours. Let's do this. <laughs> I guess that's good if people look at it. If someone drinks it and goes, I don't get why this was ten bucks. That's a different story. But if someone just gets a drink in front of them and you say ten dollars and the sticker shock gets them, I understand that they should feel that way because it should look so much easier and so much more natural than that. So hopefully, after this and after the last year and after the next ten years, it'll just sort of get into everybody's head that better stuff costs more money. Yeah. And more human effort costs more money. It's just true because yeah. it, it wouldn't happen if people weren't getting paid to do it. No, it's true everywhere. And it's effort does cost something. Yeah. 
And it counts in farming, counts in everything. If you're buying, you know, ethically sourced meats, if you're buying, you know, ethically sourced vegetables. Yeah. And there is such a thing. You can you can do <laughs> vegetables ethically. Totally. And no vegetables were harmed <laughs> in the making of this festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it it always costs more to do things the right way. Almost yeah. always. Um, but getting getting back to the revival itself, I mean, there's there's dinners, there's talks, there's also what I've been told, this is the big signature event, which is Friday night at the at the uh, Rochester Public Market. Yeah, that's uh, Friday night from what's it like from five till nine? It's, yeah, it's yeah. Somewhere, I think last calls around nine, or the the bar there closes at nine thirty. I should know this much better because I'm working it, but it, it's around there. <laughs> and that all that information is at RochesterCocktailRevival.com. See, look so at you that. Can visit the website. Yeah, it might be something like forty nine, but it's the big it's the big signature event. It's outside of the public market. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. Um, it's 40 bucks, and that gets you four cocktails, essentially, but you also get this wonderful experience. It's kind of like saloon-esque like, experience. We're having this giant tent, and we're having everything from live entertainment to all the participating bars. They're going to kind of set up shop. Playing, right? Thunder Body's yeah. playing. We got eight, eight of the bars the bars that are participating in this in this weekend are all going to be there in, in some capacity. They're all sending and, a bartender or two to work the event. Yeah, so and it's gonna just be, it's going to be it's gonna be a party. A little bit from everything will be there. Yeah. And not only that, there was like a liquid nitrogen display. There's... Yeah, I don't know who's, who's doing that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I saw liquid Whoops. nitrogen. I saw, you know, there's, it's a huge, it's a huge event. And yeah. um, I forget who was telling me, it might have been Chuck was telling, Chuck Cernowski from, from Curing Good Luck. Uh, I think he was telling me it was, this was the first time we've had a, like an outdoor liquor license for an event like this. Right. This is like, it's new for Rochester. It's huge. It's cool. It's really tough to get that going. I don't know that because I've never done it before, but from what I hear. Yeah, I think it's through Cure somehow because they're on site, Yeah, which helps a lot. Um, and, you know, if you go into one thing, this is the this is the big signature event. And after, I think that's the night the, the tiki thing is at, uh, yeah, at the Revelry. Yeah, it's nice late night. You, you can make yourself a great evening for 40 hours and then discounted tiki drinks. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. No. You're, you're going to have yourself a fine evening and hopefully someone driving you home. And everyone's going to have their, their best <laughs> Isn't that what barbacks are for? You know? <laughs> hey, Pat, here's the keys. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes not so much. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, telling, I was telling Carrie, my wife, she's like, I'm like, oh, we're going to drink three or four cocktails at this, at this public market thing. One of us is going to drive away from there. I think you might want to get the discounted ticket where you don't get any drinks with yeah, it. Yeah, see if you can uh, reserve one of the four taxi cabs that Rochester has in its <laughs> city boundaries. <laughs> right, one of the four taxi cabs. You might cabs. be able to get one of those. Right, we don't get Lyft, of course, because, you know, the taxis no, right. are so Everywhere good else in here. the world does, but Lyft yeah. does Yeah, so good. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's a big event, and you should check it out on the Rochester Cocktail Revival website. And I know everybody's pushing it because it is it is a cool event. And there's, uh, was it uh, Larceny sponsored, right? Larceny sponsored yeah. it, yeah. Um, a bunch of Heaven Hill uh, cocktail ingredients, essentially. You know, and, and what I was gathering, too, is uh, I was talking to Chuck about this. You know, Chuck has been pretty much the the head organizer of all of this all of this. Chuck stuff. and Katie have put in so much time. That's crazy. They're on their laptops till 3 a.m. and out in the field every day doing that. Um, but I was talking to Chuck a few weeks ago, and he was saying that this is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, um, <laughs> but... He said that this is the first outdoor event that has a full liquor license in Rochester, New York. Yeah, he said, yeah. yeah, he said that there was, you know, beer, beer and wine happens all the time, but the first full-fledged liquored, you know, event yeah. in Rochester, which is cool. And it's not awesome. just a wedding yeah. kind of thing, you know, where right. you get like a whiskey and a vodka and a bad bartender, you know, like you, this is a real <laughs> thing that is, <laughs> it's going to be the coolest outdoor event ever. Yeah. 
So I think that's a good that we I think we sold it. Yeah, I think we sold that. So, so you know, go if you want to. I don't whatever. It's, it's, it'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple hours effort put into this one. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna finish off with one question that I'm sure you've been asked a million times. What is your go-to cocktail, like, Zach? What, what's your go-to? Who's asking? <laughs> Mom? <laughs> um, water. <laughs> you know, I really like, uh, you know, vodka waters. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's all subjective. It's, it's it, who is in front of me? Who is asking me? Favorite and you know, you only have. Drink. Favorite to drink. I think your right? favorite to drink. Like, gotcha. what's oh, just simple favorite yeah. to drink? Fa- oh, favorite to drink for myself. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I just, I love a little, little citrusy. I love, a little sweet, so I usually go towards something on the sour end of things, like a Fitzgerald gin sour with a little, little aromatic bitters. Um, I love a really good margarita. This is like a nice, straight up, you know, pure as a driven snow margarita. Um, that's that's usually I got a little bit of a sweet tooth, so anything yeah. that leans towards that. Yeah, it's not bad. Why well, too? I suppose I would have a little bit of a sweet tooth, but I have such an aversion to acidic things because I, I don't know if I have like a stress-induced ulcer or <laughs> reflux of some sort. But if I drink anything that's like a whole drink with lemon or lime juice in it, I'm I'm shot. I can't. I have to like go buy a bottle of Tums immediately. Oh. So my go-to is the Negroni, which is more of a category than a drink at this point. But as a cocktail on its own, it's gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. Has very low acidity extremely round and balanced with a bitter finish and a sweet start and a floral mid if they're if you're using gin for it of course which you have to be if it's a negroni yeah it is the best drink start to finish it ages over ice better than anything else out there because it is things like daiquiris and margaritas don't age well on ice because as you get more diluted and more chilled you taste the sugar less and the acidity more so it's not something that is like you can get it at any bar and hope for the best presentation and know it's a great drink. The Negroni is just so difficult to screw up and can be served any which way, and it's wonderful. Yeah. That's why it's my favorite. It's, I like actually, the, it's the fail-safe drink. Yeah, I made one of those here the other night. Yeah. Say we're sure sitting, it was we're, delightful. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're sitting in our uh, my little office area, and I have my my little starter bar over there. I got some got some decent ingredients, and that that's what I made the other night. I love that little yeah, bar. Yeah, you it's got a cute, bottle right? of you know, Fee Brothers Bitters. Even at Chris's house, we got Fee Brothers Absolutely. Do you have vermouth? I do. Is it fridge. in the fridge? Absolutely. Oh my god! Well, I, you're I like read... the only person on the planet that does that. Well, it, it's wine. Now, the revelry and good luck, of course, do it for the most part. But yeah, like, I've just never seen. Anyone. But wine, wine goes bad I'm... when it's open. Wine goes bad, so it's completely you're agree. To keep it in the fridge. It's just not a common practice. It seems. Yeah. yeah. I also have my my bottle of uh, of tonic in the fridge. I bought a uh, what was it the I forget the name now. It's uh, one of the craft tonics. Tomar? Yeah, Tomar's tonic? Tomar, Tomar's tonic? No, it was a different one. Jack, Jack Rudy tonic hmm. cool. out of uh, somewhere in the south. But Where'd you get it? Uh, over at Black Button, actually. Cool. I had heard I've about it on uh, Elton Brown's podcast. Word. And, you know, it was just sounded interesting. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the collecting part. This is going to be a problem. For <laughs> yeah. This is going to be full really soon. I need a bigger bookcase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I think single-handedly the most expensive thing uh, I own at my house right now is my liquor selection. It's... <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's, it's staggering. It. It's really. I would say my girlfriend, but I don't own her. And can you put a, mo- a monetary value on human life? I don't know. Well, you, you haven't married her, so you don't technically own her <laughs> That's yet. That's true. I mean, I, I have to give her father an ox and her a ring, and then I, <laughs> then she's mine. You say I married my wife, so I, I do technically own her now. So if you know if things times get tough, I can sell her off, which is great. <laughs> Oh, she'd be worth a lot, but I would never even consider. Yeah, the booze, the booze collection is yeah, the most yeah, expensive yeah. part. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, on that on that misogynistic note, um, I think we're done for today. I don't really feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> She's not mine. <laughs> so, 
Uh, well, thanks for coming, Zach and Donnie. It was uh, it was great. And uh, thank you. I'll yeah, see absolutely. you guys. I'll see you guys out at the uh, Rochester Cocktail Revival. I look and forward, that's, my uh, friend. RochesterCocktailRevival.com. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.